0: Welcome in. These are the MMA Minutes. I'm your host, Sean Anderson. Joining me as always is our MMA expert. Danny Gutierrez. What's going on, Sean? How are you? I'm fantastic. It's uh, it's cold, um, but it's
1: in the month of November. I'm doing November. I have a mustache. It looks terrible. No shave November. No shave November, so I'm, it's going to be terrible. I'm not going to do that because I will look like that I've been in the jungle for years after a week of not shaving, so I have to keep up with it.
0: And I'm going to look awful and creepy, so it's going to be fun. Um, on this podcast, we're going to be previewing UFC 217, probably one of, if not the biggest card in uh, UFC this year, um, and we are also going to be recapping last week's card um, that happened in Sao Paulo, Brazil, uh, where Derek Brunson defeated Leoto Machida in the first round with Kay, uh, due to punches, um, yes. and also Colby Covington defeated Damian Maia, but we'll get into that a little bit later. First, we're going to get into the biggest card in 2017, November 4th at Madison Square Garden. UFC 217 is happening. We are seeing the return of George St. Pierre, but there's also three title fights on that card. It's going to be ridiculous. And Danny, yes. we are going to go start on the UFC fight pass early prelims. We're skipping over Faraz Zahabi's uh brother, who is uh who's fighting in the UFC. We're skipping over that one. We're also skipping over the um, I believe it's a middleweight. It is uh it's a light heavyweight fight. Yes, um, it's happening. And we're gonna to go to the heavyweight fight that's happening. Alexi Olenek taking on Curtis Blades, um, the number nine heavyweight uh Olenik taking on the number twelve heavyweight in blades. Olenik coming in 52, 10 and one in his career, blades coming in seven and one with a no contest in his career. So obviously, a very experienced fighter. Yes. And Alexia Olenek is taking on Curtis Blades, who is still um, very young in his UFC career. Looking at the two, though, Olenek and Blades, what are your thoughts on
1: this fight? Well, when it comes to experience, you look at Olenek, and he's got a black belt in jiu-jitsu, and he's also a master of Samo combat sports. He's called the boa constrictor, and he's, real he- he's a very heavy grappler. He's a very strong guy. Uh, he's got some pretty good striking as well, but where he thrives is his grappling. You, you haven't seen a grappler like this since Frank Mir in the UFC's heavyweight division at least but Curtis Razor Blades is a not a bad grappler himself he's a very powerful wrestler and he's got some heavy hands too but he's got to put put it all together a little bit so if he lets his hands go in this fight I think he could jack up Olenek a, a on his feet but that being said I think Olenek will try and weather that storm and try and take him down and use his, his experience on the ground and
0: Olenek is ex- extremely dangerous when you talk about the experience on the ground that he does have, he's the only fighter in UFC uh, history to win by an Ezekiel choke. He also holds the record for most Ezekiel wins in MMA competition with 10. So, I mean, he's extremely, extremely You know, savvy on the ground, being able to pull off an Ezekiel choke, he was pulling it off when mounted as well. Um, Just beat up Travis Brown as well. I feel like Olenek has everything to win this fight, um, but Blades is younger, and if he does come in with a lot of energy and attacks Olenek and tires out Olenek, that's probably gonna be the way that he wins. But I don't see Blades as a cardio machine um, when looking. He's got good cardio. He's a
1: a big boy, but he's got good cardio. He can go.
0: I think if I think if he's able to wear him down, I think that's gonna be the way that. Um, Curtis can win, but I'm going to go with Olenek. Anyways, let's move on now to the FS1 prelims. We have kicking that off a welterweight fight. Randy Brown, rude boy, 9-2 from Jamaica, taking on Mickey Gall, 4-0, who is, I think, is this his welterweight? debut because he no because he's fought his CM past punk two was, fights
1: and and at the welterweight debut oh,
0: that's right because sage moved up to fight yep. him okay but so mickey gall four and in his mma career three of or two sorry two of those wins um in the ufc over sage northcutt and cm punk um, looking at this, Mickey Gall, is he going to be able to continue this streak and stay undefeated?
1: I would hope so. Mickey Gall looked outstanding in his past two outings, but one of them was someone with no fighting experience. I forgot, other, I forgot. And the other no. was against somebody who had a lot of experience. I forgot.
0: He also fought Mike Jackson, that else he counts. So oh, yeah. he's, he's technically 3-0 and in the UFC. Yes. Um, Mike Jackson was literally a reporter. Um, so he's faced two opponents with literally no experience in uh, MMA, and then Sage Northcutt, who is experienced, has uh, a karate background as well, and, and looked really yes. good um, submitting Sage Northcutt yes, in that, that fight. Yes, that was a very good fight itself. Mm-hmm.
1: But uh, Mickey Gall has got outstanding Brazilian jiu-jitsu, I believe is a brown belt, Gracie jiu-jitsu, and he's got outstanding striking, he's really long. Uh, it's interesting because before this fight was announced, he wanted to uh, talk about going down to 155, mm-hmm. and he's a really long, he's a big welterweight, so I don't know how that would happen, but I'm happy that he, he, he is here at welterweight. I I feel like this is a healthier weight for him. He'll have a lot of energy, and he's actually really good in the scrambles as well when he gets into those, you know, grappling exchanges. So he'll have a lot of energy. That being said, Randy Brown, you know, he's got some pretty good striking. He's real light on his feet, and he's got some pep in his step. But I feel like Mickey Gall has uh, more weapons in his toolbox. So I feel like he's going to overcome Randy Brown's, uh, he's going to weather his storm.
0: Randy Brown is 9 and 2, like I said, in his career. He also has five fights. In the UFC, and in those fights, he's two and two. Um, I'm sorry, three and two. Um, in his five fights uh, with wins over Matchwire Eric Montano and Brian Camozzi. Uh his most recent fight th- uh, though was a loss against Bilal Muhammad back in UFC 208 um, where Bilal Muhammad won in a unanimous decision after three rounds so uh, I'm going to go with Mickey Gall just because I'm rooting for him I love what he does on them. like after he wins he just seems like he's got some swagger to him that I really appreciate in a fighter and you know I'm rooting for him uh, I, I think uh, he's, as am I I, I, think he's, I think he's fun to watch and, and, and I like what he brings to the octagon it's a different kind of flavor because every time he, he, he You know, beats an opponent, no matter if it was a war or if he blows through him with CM Punk, he knows who to call out next. And, and something that I, I like. He, he's very thoughtful. He, he puts a lot of thought not only into the fight, but also after the, the fight and what he's going to do. And I, I like what he does, and I'd be interested to see what he has next after that fight instead he's looking,
1: of... He's he, looking towards the future.
0: And I want to know what's in his future. I, I want to see. Because usually, you know, his callouts aren't too crazy. I mean, he, he called out CM Punk. That's why he got the fight against Mike Jackson. Won that fight against that Mike Jackson. Then won the uh, fight against CM Punk. Called out Sage Northcutt, uh, who was looking to be the next superstar. And you saw you know, Mickey Gall win that one. So, uh, Mickey Gall possibly the next superstar um, in the UFC. But, you know, obviously he's got to win some fights and, and get ranked before he even is called a superstar. But right. uh, we will move on now. Uh, light heavyweight fight. Owen St. Preux versus Corey Anderson. Uh, OSP come in 21 and 10 cory anderson coming in 10 and 3 light heavyweight fights uh number six versus number seven what do you like miss osp or cory anderson
1: i like osp even though cory anderson is very athletic himself he is he's another chicago boy alongside alongside curtis razor blades on this new york card which is pretty outstanding in my opinion but uh cory anderson he uh He's actually got some pretty good uh, jujitsu himself because he's trained with Henzel Gracie, mm-hmm. and uh, he's also that's be, that's because of his uh, wrestling background. And he's actually got some pretty good boxing as well. But again, he's one of those guys that whenever he gets to that top spot, he kind of lets it slip through his fingers. Uh, the same could be said for OSP. It can be, but OSP has fought more experienced guys than Corey Anderson. They actually share some. Uh, they actually share an opponent in Jimmy Manoa. So. Which they both lost to. But uh, OSP's had that championship experience. He's gone five rounds, a little bit more than Corey Anderson. So I'm going to go for OSP in this one, mm-hmm. just based off of experience.
0: Yeah, looking at OSP, obviously, it looked like he was, he was really struggling. I mean, you look at um, after his win against Patrick Cummings, he was one and four, uh, losing to Glover, losing to John Jones, losing to Jimmy Manuel, losing to Ozan Mir, but he has bounced back in his past two fights against Marcos Re- R- Roger de Lima and then also Yushin Akami uh, both coming by Von Fluchokes as yes. well um, where his he's, favorite show yeah where, where he's got three now in the UFC which I think is uh, a record uh, for most of Von Fluchokes um, in the UFC so I mean he's been you know very impressive in his past two fights Corey Anderson really hasn't Uh, You really can't say that for Corey Anderson, Um, obviously losing to Manuel in in the first round last fight, uh, beat Sean O'Connell, but Sean O'Connell is not a guy like OSP, doesn't have an athletic background, Sean O'Connell is a a bruiser, where Corey Anderson, if you're coming in with a lot of technique, which he has, you can beat a guy like Sean O'Connell and then before, uh, he he lost to Shogun. So, um, looking at this, I feel like, like you said, when he ever takes that step up in competition, he loses. Um, I feel like this is a step up in competition for him, but OSP isn't a guy that is really grounded as one of the guys in the light heavyweight division. I feel like OSP and Corey Anderson are kind of on those fri- on the fringe in the light heavyweight division.
1: This will be a much more closely contested matchup, in my opinion. So yes. this is a good matchup, and this will be this is a matchup that of somebody who could establish their status as a as a contender in the top ten light heavyweight division. Because honestly, the light heavyweight division is it's kind of shallow right now. So. Who are you going with? I got to go with OSP still.
0: See, I want to go against you, and I don't want to pick OSP, but I really don't want to pick Corey Anderson. Like, Corey, I like watching Corey Anderson. There's nothing that really excites me about watching him fight, but OSP makes me nervous anytime I pick him. So, just, think, just the fact that OSP is on two fight one streak, I'm going to go with OSP. I
1: think Corey Anderson's a great fighter, but I think OSP is just that much better. I think he's just a little bit better. Yeah, I mean, both, both of these guys could beat me up. I'm not saying
0: that. But, like, you know, <laughs> comparing him to the rest of the division.
1: Well, that's what I'm there's, saying. There's there's
0: a there's a talent drop off. But yes. anyways, let's move on now to uh, another heavyweight fight. Walt Harris, the big ticket, taking on Mark Mark Goodbeer. Uh, Walt Godbeer actually. Godbeer, my bad. I don't. Want, I, I I look at God and beer. Those two words should <laughs> Yeah, be it's. Odd. Uh, but anyways, Walt Harris uh, ten and five in his UFC career. Mark Godbeer twelve and three. Godbeer uh, out of England. Walt Harris from the United States. Walt Harris just lost a fight to Fabricio Verdum at UFC 216 back in October, but it was so quick. Didn't take any damage. He's able to bounce back right away. Godbeer uh, just came off a win against Daniel Spitz at UFC 209 on March 4th. So looking at this, Harris versus Godbeer, what do you like in this fight?
1: I really like Harris in this fight because of how his last fight went. Uh, Mark Godbeer didn't have an impressive debut, but he bounced back with that unanimous decision victory. Excuse me. Uh, but in. Walt Harris' fight against verdum you actually saw him put the pressure on a little bit. He overextended himself. It squared up his hips, so that's how he got taken down and submitted. Um, But I I really like Walt Harris in this fight. I really don't see uh, Godbeer really stuffing any of his takedowns or stopping the bull rush of uh, Harris, so I'm going to take Harris by KO.
0: And one of the funner fights uh, that I I watched was with Walt Harris. Walt Harris uh, took on Chase Sherman, and those two guys just battled it out, and those guys are fun. Um, and, And in six of the eight fights that Walt Harris has had, um, there has been a finish, so it's going to be interesting to see um, if you know Godbeer is able to open up his hands, and if, if Harris opens up his hands as well. Um, and we see a battle between the two. Um, but this could be a, a sleeper fight. On this card, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Walt Harris though. I, I like what he brings to the table. I do. He too. is young. I think obviously people are gonna look back at that uh, Verdum loss um, and think that he's not that great of a fighter. But you look at you how grow com- from that. Well, and you also look at Fabrizio Verdum, multiple time champion, right. one of the best heavyweights that we've seen. Right, you you can bounce back, and I feel like this is a, a nice one to bounce back. But I think it's gonna be a good fight and, and a very competitive one. Uh, in that and let's move on to the final fight in the prelims before we move on to the main card james vick taking on joe duffy in a lightweight fight Vic, Vic coming in 11 and 1 in his career duffy the irishman coming in six and two in his career what are your thoughts on Vic versus duffy
1: this is a very interesting fight at in the lightweight division joseph duffy's kind of been inactive he's kind of been i think he's been uh in contractual disputes with the ufc
0: yeah last fight was uh march 18th uh, 2017, so... It, it, and the Within fight, the year. The fight before that was July 7th, okay. 2016, okay. so, I mean, it, it hasn't been... He hasn't been extremely active.
1: The average fighter for a UFC to fight per year, is at least three to five. Yeah. Three to so, five, so and, this is his second outing in and the they're year. They're probably going to be his last one. Okay. Because they're not so, going to fight.
0: He's not going to fight in December.
1: Right, unless he's just that crazy, yeah. which I could see him doing. But uh, James Vick's got uh, very good boxing. He's actually He actually comes from the Ultimate Fighter. Uh, he's famous for knocking out... um Crookshank, Darren Crookshank with that knee. But he's got some very good boxing, and he's fought the best of the best in the lightweight division. Uh, Joseph Duffy, his only loss is to Dustin Poirier in the UFC, and he didn't get beat up. That was a very good fight. Um, he's got a taekwondo black belt, and he's also got some very good boxing. He's got some great jiu-jitsu. I have to go with Joseph Duffy. I mean, the more you talk about him, the more you you see and you notice that he's actually one of the top lightweights in this division. James Vick is no joke. He's got good wrestling. He's got good takedown defense. You saw that in this fight against Benil Darius. He did get knocked out, but he stuffed mm-hmm. a lot of his takedowns, um, and he's got great boxing. I think if he if he polishes his technique just a little bit more, he'll just have it'll be a little bit ahead of Joseph Duffy because of his boxing. But I feel like Duffy's got that experience. Some
0: just some fun facts that I'm, I'm just realizing about Duffy. Um, he was also on the Ultimate Fighter. Um, he was uh, on the GSP versus Kashuk season, and he lost the first fight. I uh, get to Kyle Wilson in the first round due to. Uh, uh, rear naked choke, so I don't think he even like uh, made a team. Uh, Lost right away, so Duffy, a former uh, Tough alum as well. Which
1: is interesting because that opponent got knocked, got knocked out by a spinning backfist by uh, John mcdessey and then after that he got cut.
0: Look at that. Uh, Norman Park, he also has a victory over Norman Park, where uh, just Duffy then went 7-0. And then for 8-0, guess who he beat? Some guy named Conor McGregor. Yes. So uh, Joseph Joseph Duffy has a, a win over Norman Park and Conor McGregor, and Joseph Duffy also started uh, his uh, MMA career eleven and one. Right yes. now, James Vick is eleven and one. So I don't know. Just some some, some weird uh, lining up. Uh, you know, stars aligning here. But uh, James yep. Vick has been very impressive. I'm gonna take him in this, his last fight. Uh, the Benio Dariush fight, um, he got pretty much obliterated there by Dariush. But other than that, he's been super impressive watching him. Um, he's he's pretty slick on the ground as well. Um, and like you said, he it, boxing, um, is, is his background. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with James Vick here. Uh, Duffy, I gotta a, go with Duffy with with the longer layoff. I feel like Duffy is a scrapper, but I'm gonna go with uh, James Vick here. And let's move on now to the main card. For some reason, Johnny Hendricks is fighting. Um, I. Don't know why he hasn't been cut and he's consistently been making weight. Even when he moves up, he's still missing weight. Uh but Big Rig's back. Johnny Hendrix eight in eighteen and seven. Uh t- taking on Paulo Boricina, who is undefeated ten and 0 in his UFC career, and this is again taking place at middleweight. So looking at this Hendrix versus boricina what are your thoughts?
1: Oh, man, what are my thoughts? Johnny Hendricks. Can Johnny Big Rig Hendrix. Can I give some thoughts? La- you can give your thoughts first.
0: Last time GSP was on a card, he fought Johnny Hendricks in a you know very uh, controversial um, you know win for mm-hmm. GSP, and it now, was controversial. And now both of them, who were you know fighting for the uh, not welterweight, yeah, middle, yeah, middleweight, yeah, in the middleweight, yep. Wasn't, no, it wasn't middleweight. No, welterweight. They
1: were fighting for the welterweight yeah, belt. G-
0: yeah, yeah. Johnny and GSP were fighting for the welterweight, but well, yes. now both of them have moved up to middleweight. Yes. So, um, I don't know, I just find it odd that, you know, last time that GSP was on a fight, f- fighting Johnny Hendricks, now Johnny Hendricks is on the main card, but he had you know, a completely different turn where GSP still Harold her- is one of the greatest of all times. And, and, you know, that could have flipped if Hendricks won the decision. Anyways.
1: I wonder if GSP will actually get called out by Johnny Hendricks if he wins. It'll be interesting. No way. Cuz GSP will just laugh it off. There's no reason for Johnny Hendricks to be
0: fighting GSP especially if GSP is the, you know, ends up being the middleweight champion of the world. Right.
1: But uh, we're going to concentrate on this fight. Uh, Paulo Boroncina, um, I really like him in this fight. He's got some outstanding jiu-jitsu that we haven't seen yet uh, because his last fight's actually ended in, you know, knockouts, vicious Mm -hmm. knockouts. Uh, Johnny Hendricks has lost some pep in his step, I believe. Um, So I... He's real flat-footed. I mean, his his power isn't there anymore. He telegraphs his punches. Uh, his his wrestling isn't that strong anymore. Even if he does take down Born Gina, I think he's going to get outclassed with his jiu-jitsu unless he can hold him down. Yeah, the the only thing that I could see Hendricks uh, having going for him is that he actually changed up his camp for this fight. Mm-hmm. He actually went to train to go went to go train with Greg Jackson. Excuse me. Did he get Albert a new, new nutritionist? Because
0: um, that's the big problem for Johnny Hendricks. And oh, we'll see. And especially if he's <laughs> using his wrestling, he's going to be tired out and is going to whoop him, and that's what I see. So. One and four in his last five fights, Johnny Hendricks has looked nothing uh, close like to his self, right. He's looked awful, absolutely awful. He looked terrible against Tim Bosch. Um, he's looked terrible before Paula Borchina. Uh, very young, 10 and 0. He's spry, quick, lean, mean, fighting machine. Paula is going to wipe the mat. With Johnny Hendricks.
1: I don't like using those terms. You never say never, but I, f- I don't feel as if Johnny Hendricks. If, if Johnny Hendricks took this fight seriously, he'd be fighting at welterweight.
0: Yeah, he'd be fighting at welterweight. So. Right now. And he'd probably be, you know, uh, if he was still fighting seriously, he'd probably be still in the top 10. But Johnny Hendricks hasn't taken a fight seriously, and so. I feel like now he's really desperate. So maybe this could be a Jake Ellenberger, uh, you know, situation where, remember, Ellenberger, you know, everyone thought he was going to get, you know, mowed down. And he comes out and knocks out. Uh, who was who he fighting in on that and one? He knocked out. Uh, Matt Brown. Yeah, Matt Brown. Everybody kick. Everyone thought that, you know, Ellenberger was done and then Ellenberger comes back as a back against the wall. Maybe Han- Hendricks does that, but Paul borchino has got everything on his side to get this victory. I think he's going to do it. Anyways, Let's move on. Before we get into the fight, title fights, we got a welterweight fight. Yes, Steven Wonderboy Thompson. This
1: fight, I'm actually excited for. The
0: number two welterweight in the world, 13-1 uh, one, and one uh, in his career, taking on number four Jorge, Jorge Masvidal. Yes, too many, too many syllables on that one. But I bet <laughs> you, I'm going to get the the strawweight championship uh, fight right. But uh, Jorge Masvidal, 13-12, uh, a lot sorry, of practice, 32-12. 32-12 and 12 in, his, in his UFC career. I don't know yes. why I can't talk today. Uh, Masvidal versus Wonderboy Thompson. Who are you like in this fight?
1: I actually really like Jorge Masvidal. I got to keep going with Jorge Masvidal. I really do like Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, the karate kid, the Wonderboy. He's got those flashy kicks and that, you know, sideways stance. Um, he has his hands down, and he likes to measure distance with straight punches to get off on those kicks. Very flashy kicks, too, but... Jorge Masvidal is extremely technical. He's got great boxing. He loves to put forward the pressure. He loves to keep his hands up. He is not afraid to throw uh, unorthodox techniques as well. Mm-hmm. He's not un- unorthodox to the unorthodox technique of anything because he's seen it all. You said 32 and 12. He's fought the best of the best in the world in lightweight and in welterweight. Uh, his only loss at welterweight was to Lorenz Larkin and Damian Maia. So that being said, he's fighting the cream of the crop. I he's He works angles very well. He switches stances very well. And I I would imagine that he would establish more of his ground game in this fight because his wrestling is no joke. His Brazilian Jiu Jitsu is no joke. His guard's no joke. Steven Wonderboy Thompson, when you talk about his ground game, you can only talk about how how good he defended himself against uh, Tyron Woodley. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and. Uh, Jake Ellenberger he actually took Jake Ellenberger down actually
0: and and you're talking about Woodley with his wrestling background two takedowns in their two fights
1: so I mean between both these guys this is a very highly contested fight a very high stakes fight to see who will get another crack at Tyron Woodley maybe But I got to go with Jorge Masvidal. I mean, I think his forward pressure and grit is going to get it done against Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, because Stephen Wonderboy Thompson's style does not like it when it gets ugly. And Jorge Masvidal loves to make it ugly.
0: And I look at this fight, and I I think it's all in Jorge Masvidal's corner. I mean, looking at Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, as fantastic as he was in that seven-fight win streak, he has not looked like that fighter in the past 2 years. His last, I mean you look at November 12th, 2016 to November 4th, 2017, those last two fights against Tyron Woodley. I've seen a fighter who's been scared. I've seen a fighter that just has been very hesitant. Jorge Masvidal has never shown that in the octagon. Jorge no. Masvidal has been a bulldog. He's gritty. He loves to fight. And I'm not saying, and I'm not saying like, you know, Steve Wonderboy doesn't love what he does. He's not he doesn't love fighting. He doesn't love being in the octagon. But Masvidal, I think he likes being down. I think he likes having to prove himself. And I think Wonderboy's already proven himself in the UFC, even though he's lost the two title fights um, to Woodley, or, you know, one was a draw and lost uh, the the most recent one uh, to Woodley. I feel like Masvidal still needs to prove that he is a champion, and I feel like he's going to do that, because Wonderboy, he hasn't looked uh, impressive at all in the past (laughs) two fights. Those have been really extremely lackluster fights between him and Woodley um, in the last two times we've seen tops in the octagon. Masvidal... Yeah, he did lose that fight against Maya on the on the books, but but it he was defended extremely close fight. Yes, extremely close fight. No one's given Damian Maya that close of a fight since Covington beat mm-hmm. him mm-hmm. recently, and and even then, you could probably even say that Jorge Masvidal arguably could have won that fight. Um, looking at that, so it's
1: very razor thin. Yeah,
0: and the way that he beat up Donald Cerrone was just extremely impressive. Yes. So I'm gonna go Jorge Masvidal as well. and I think Masvidal. He's going to
1: put himself in title contention. I don't know if he gets
0: it with a win, though.
1: Jorge Masvidal's style is awesome against kickers. This is the perfect style to showcase, for a Jorge Masvidal to showcase his skills.
0: Mm-hmm. And looking at this now, Colby Covington with the the most recent welterweight uh, rankings coming out. Covington is now at three, Masvidal at four. But if he beats Thompson, you most likely expect that is going to jump Covington. But then again... Uh, Robbie Lawler is still above Thompson, and he's currently the number two ranked uh, welterweight in the UFC. So it's or number one, you know, contender in the UFC. But he does have a fight up against RDA coming soon. So I was just about to say that's
1: that's another high stakes welterweight fight.
0: So Masvidal, if he wins. Uh, could arguably put himself in title contention. Before we move on, how deep is this welterweight division? It's extremely oh, deep. Come on, and and, and it's the, so deep. The best thing about it is that you know we have uh, an active champion. You yes, Tyron Woodley. Might say some ridiculous things, but he has been extremely active defending his belt. And you look at it, I mean, D- Darren Till at 8, Carlos Condit at 7, RDA at 6, Damian Maya at 5, obviously lost to Tyron Woodley, probably not going to get back to a championship shot with with Woodley still holding the belt, but Masvidal, Covington, Thompson, Lawler, ridiculous. Even uh, Usman down at 12.
1: Uh, I'm surprised... Uh, M- Neil Magny at 11. Uh, I'm actually surprised that Condit is in the top 10 because he's been so inactive. But, I mean, he was a former interim champion. You got to give him respect. And he's got a lot of wins in the UFC welterweight yeah. division. He's well-rounded, so. I and mean, the one thing that I, I think we'll
0: get into, but uh, Tyron Woodley's saying is that he's he's fighting the winner of uh, Bisping versus GSP, which I hope doesn't happen. Stick in your division, because it's the best division we got. I like seeing yes. this competition. Yes. But anyways, let's move in
1: to some of the title fights. First off, we One have, of three. One of three. One of three. One of three title fights.
0: I know. I said oh, that that's when we exciting. opened it, Danny. But anyways, strawweight title fight, champion Joanna Young-Jacek, currently 14-0 in her UFC and MMA career, taking on number four, Rose Nama Yunus, who is 7-3 in her MMA career. Looking at this, Nama Yunus versus Young-Jacek, what are your thoughts on
1: it? My thoughts on this is this is going to be a crazy fight. Joanna and is has been a great champion, but Rose Namajunas has got all the skills to to beat Joanna uh, and In my opinion, you when Evergreen and fights, uh, she fights girls that stand still. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. She fights girls that come forward. that don't usually work angles. She fights girls that are just as down as she well, is. Well, probably,
0: Kovakova, Kovakova, the Carolina Kovakova.
1: Karolina Kovalkiewicz was probably I, one of the ones that utilized angles, and but she was still getting tagged on the feet.
0: I could say that name like in my sleep, and now when I actually need to say it, I can't say it. But and anyways,
1: You could say that uh, Valerina L- uh, Latorno mm-hmm. actually put up a really good fight as well. She caught her with some uh, punches and a head kick, actually, yeah. that a lot of people forget. Um, but your point is that Rose can Rose use, moves, utilize the angles. Rose uh, switches stances well. Uh, she moves well. She utilizes angles well. She's very light on her feet. She's got good head movement she defends well and she attacks well she she knows when to capitalize on these very small openings that being said John Jacek doesn't leave that many openings <laughs> she doesn't leave that many openings and she's been fighting wrestlers girls like you know Claudia Gedalia and uh Jessica Andrade, you know, big girls that, you know, want to take her down, hold her down, and beat her up. Rose Namajunas has got an awesome jujitsu game, and she's got great striking. This is going to be a very interesting fight, and she's light on her feet. I, I got to go for Rose Namajunas. I'm going for Thug Rose Namajunas. What? I think, yeah, I, I think she's going to pull off the upset.
0: I don't know about that. I mean, you look at Yona Jacek, and you talk about the lack of holes in her game, and there are Pretty much little no to holes. none. She's I mean, she's
1: she's a great kickboxer with awesome takedown defense.
0: And you also look at the, <laughs> the fight against Jessica Andrade. Andrade was able to take her two times ta- down two times. Claudia Gadelio was able to take her down two times. Um, you even look at their first fight when it wasn't a championship fight. It was a split decision. Gedalia took him down seven times, but you know look at Joanna. She was still able to win all of those fights. So even if Rose takes her down, I mean Joanna is able to get back up on her feet. And you look at True. the striking there. Joanna is the most crisp striker in this division and arguably probably in Absolutely. all of women's MMA right now. It's, it, oh, I yeah. think I think when we talk about technical strikers, Joanna by far is the most technical striker. Oh, yeah. And while you know Rose has some flashiness to her game, there's no way I'm going against Joanna and on If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I don't care, but this is a girl that's defended a woman. I'm sorry, that has defended her belt six straight times. And Joanna check. she's undefeated in her career, and the only times that she's ever really had her back up against the wall was that one time against Claudia Gedalia. And if it was a five round fight, Joanna won one, last two, and it wouldn't even been a split decision. Joanna is the best women's fighter we've seen, and she's going to continue yes. her reign right now and make it seven straight title defenses. Which I looked up, it's more than Ronda Rousey, who defended her UFC belt. Yes. Six times. She defended the Strike uh, Force belt seven times, uh, if you're counting that, because she won it against Misha and then defended it seven times against Kauf, uh, Kaufman, Carmouche, Tate, McMahon, Davis, Zingano, and Correa. However, only six of those were in the UFC. Joanna Jacek wins this one. Seven UFC title defenses. Joanna Jacek will become the greatest women's champion in UFC history and arguably MMA history
1: as That well. all sounds great when you say it like that. But I think Thug Rose and I'm a Eunice is going to take that from her. I'm I got I got to go for the underdog.
0: I'm rooting for Rose. I love watching Rose fight. But you just beat up Michelle Watterson, who is a great fighter, but had a very long, long layoff. And and, and, Ro- and Michelle was a, a fighter that moved up in weight as well. I I look at the fight against Carolyn Hikavich, where Rose it was close. But Carolina still beat Rose on the feet, and Joanna's better than Kar- Carolina. And it's not going to be as close as as that goes.
1: <laughs> That's not the same Rose that fought Kovalevich. No, though. it's not. So, but we'll
0: see. No, it's not. But even the the Joanna that we saw last year at MSG is not the same Joanna we saw against Carolina. She's grown as well. I feel like Joanna right now, currently in the prime of her his, her career, and, and will win this fight. Um, however, uh, if Joanna does win this fight, which I know you're obviously saying she's not. Is she
1: the greatest women's champion of all time? She's well on her way. She's well on her way. You I would feel still like, put Ronda in front of her. You know what? With one more title defense, if she if she beats Rose definitively and decisively. And then goes on to defend one more time. Yes, she is the greatest women's uh, champion in UFC history, in we my opinion. See, we
0: haven't seen a finish from Joanna in a while. I think five, five of her, five, her last five fights have been decisions. Are we going to get a finish in this fight no matter who wins? Is Rose going to be able to finish Joanna, or is Joanna going to be able to finish Rose? Or do you think it goes fi- all five?
1: Hmm, that's a very good question. Between the two of them, if I have to break it down, I feel like Rose has a higher chance of finishing Joanna. I feel like the only way she wins but is if she finishes Joanna. If it goes the distance, Joanna right. wins. But exactly, if it goes the distance, Joanna's going to win. So you're
0: saying that it, it's going to be a finish because Rose's going to win. Yes, I, I think I think it's going to go the distance. That's why I think Joanna's going. <laughs> Anyways, let's move on to the co-main event. Cody Garbrandt, newly crowned. Yes, uh, this is another champion. great fight. Yes, newly crowned bantamweight champion. Back up. Uh, what was it? December when they fought. Yes. Back in December, he took the belt away from Dominic Cruz at UFC 207. Hasn't defended the belt since due to... He had neck injuries, right? Or was it back, back injuries? Back injuries, actually. Um, So he's been held off. And TJ Dillashaw uh, is taking on Cody Garbrandt, former Team Alpha Male members. And uh, uh, TJ's also last fight was on that same card, UFC 207, where yes. he defeated John Lenniker. So both of these guys have had a year layoff. They are both fresh and ready. Looking at Cody versus TJ, obviously former teammates. TJ, the former champion, lost to Dominic Cruz. Cody, obviously, able to come over Dominic Cruz, one of the only people ever to overcome Dominic Cruz. Um, And you also look, uh, Cody has the youth on his side, but TJ arguably has the experience on his side. Yes, and they're both
1: young guys. Yeah,
0: but Cody is younger. So looking at this fight, who are you taking? Are you taking no love or are you taking the snake?
1: TJ show. Man, let me break these two down for you real quick before I actually give you uh who, who now, I'm gonna. We'll look who at who the for, pick.
0: Look at the former champion in TJ.
1: Former champion and TJ. I mean, when he came on Team Alpha Male, he lost John Dotson on the season finale of The Ultimate Fighter, and that was argue And that was uh, miraculously, he was Bisbang against uh Mayhem Miller. You remember that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So Mayhem was a pretty good coach. Yes, he was. He's a nut. Good. He's a nutbag. Yeah, but, uh yeah, he was a pretty good coach. He was a great coach. Um. And, uh, Bisping beat him, and now we're here. It's interesting that they're both on the same card, and they were on, they represented each other on the same team. But, Mm -hmm. um, since then, TJ Dillashaw has improved leaps and bounds. He was no longer just a wrestler. Uh, he developed his striking very well. And then when Team Alpha Male brought over Dwayne Bang Ludwig, uh, actually the possessor of the fastest UFC knockout ever, um, came to Team Alpha Male's team, and, uh, was hired as their striking coach Mm -hmm. and developed a very uh, interesting bond with T.J. Dillashaw. And uh, ever since Dwayne Bagg-Ludwood had left uh, Team Alpha Male, uh, T.J. Dillashaw has gone out there to train with him. And ever since then, T.J. Dillashaw has become the UFC Bantamweight champion. He's defended it twice. Uh, He lost it to Dominic Cruz, but since then he's bounced back, uh, which is very interesting. Um, So when he started out, when he won the belt, First of all, when he beat Hennon Burrell, nobody thought that he was going to beat Hennon Burrell. No, because every a sub. Right. Everybody thought that, you know, T.J. Dillashaw was going to get ran through. But he overcame adversity, and he uh, rose to the occasion— and you saw you basically saw a wrestler outstrike a striker, mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was that was one of the most interesting cool. performances, one of the most famous performances of TJ Dillashaw's career. Cool. And ever since then, he's been known for his striking. Well,
0: and then you look at the second matchup between him and Barao. He mowed through Barao. Uh, yes. Obviously, the Joe Soto fight it was a it was a you know no one expected it to be that you know that competitive you know competitive, but even okay. then TJ still mowed through Joe, uh, Joe Soto. Even the Dominic Cruz fight, it was very close.
1: Yeah, interestingly enough, Joe Soto actually trained with Team Alpha Male for that camp, and then mm-hmm. just to go on and fight T.J. Dillashaw. And then
0: looking at Cody Garbrandt, former t- uh, team alpha male, obviously uh, 11-0 his career, defeated Dominic Cruz, one of the first guys ever. Um, what are your thoughts on him? How, do, how can he win this fight? What does he have over T.J.
1: that T.J. doesn't have? To? Well, apparently he knocked out T.J. during training in a sparring session with an overhand right. Yeah, all, all that talk with team yeah. alpha male. It's, it's ridiculous. So, But... um. Whether that's true or not, Cody Garbrandt's got some heavy hands. Yeah. He's got great boxing. He's got great wrestling. Uh, he switches stances, but he doesn't switch stances often. When he switches stances, he switches stances to kind of gauge what you're going to do next. And you saw that in his fight with Dominic Cruz. Dominic Cruz, see, this is what I was going to relate back to TJ Dillashaw. When TJ Dillashaw came onto the scene, everybody—this is when Dominic was injured and out. Mm-hmm. So everybody thought that Dillashaw was the new Cruz. And I feel like that kind of got to Dillashaw just a little bit. So then you started seeing a lot of that footwork and a lot of that, you know, not showboating, but a lot of that that flash, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, the dance, I guess you could call it. But uh, Dominic Cruz is very effective with that style. I feel like the style that TJ Dillashaw came up with, uh, you know, Team Alpha Male and Dwayne Bang is something that's suited for him and not, he shouldn't have been more like Dominic Cruz. Because when Dominic Cruz fought Cody Garbrandt, Cody Garbrandt came up with the with a great game plan. So when you fight a fighter that's faster than you, that tries to outdo you, you slow things down. That's exactly what Cordy Garbrandt did. He Garbrandt was the one that dictated the pace throughout that whole fight. It took him about a round or two to establish a uh, Dominic Cruz's timing, but once he did, he got it. He mm-hmm. got it. Um, and he's got... Heavy hands, a great lead right hook. He loves to swarm. He's got a great overhand right, a great right uppercut. He's got great kicks, great wrestling, even. Uh, he's got great takedown defense. And you know, he's got good chokes, you know, working with guys like Uriah Faber and Chad Mendez. So it's going to be a very interesting fight. But who you got? Because are you going to take Man. No Love or are you going to take TJ the Snake Dillashaw? <sighs> you know what? I'm going to take No Love. I feel like he's very motivated. He's undefeated. He's got heavy hands. He's trained with Dillashaw before. He knows what to expect. Uh, I gotta go with Garbrandt.
0: But does he know what to expect? Does he know exactly what TJ is gonna do? Because TJ, you know, like you said, he he's now grown with Dwayne Bain Ludwig out in Colorado, and now TJ moved his camp to uh to California. To California, so, yeah, to that's Detroit right. And Ludwig out. Um, but at least I think that TJ is gonna have the motivation to put down Cody Garbrandt because this is. Him proving that not only is he better than Cody, and not only is he the best bantamweight in the world, not only has he been fighting since he you know lost, to put that in quotes, to Dominic Cruz, because it was a very extremely close fight, and not getting the uh, immediate rematch. I feel like he has to prove that not only is he the best bantamweight, not only did he deserve this, he has to also prove that, hey, I can do this without Team Alpha Male. And, and I think that you look at Cody, and that's what Cody represents, is a Team Alpha Male. In general, I think TJ wants to stick it to not only UFC, not only to the Bantamweight division, but also to Team Alpha mount. I feel like that's going to be the reason why TJ Dillashaw wins this fight. I feel like Cody is an extremely well rounded fighter, and I think that, you know, at least skill level wise, these guys are probably on par they're both extremely skilled but you got to look past the skills and I feel like TJ I'm not saying that Cody isn't motivated but I feel like TJ is definitely more motivated in this fight I feel like he's got more to lose in this fight and that's the reason why TJ Dillashaw is going to win this fight in my mind
1: I feel like the forward pressure of Garbrandt is really going to be a detriment to Dillashaw's footwork especially if he works leg kicks and if he works hooks and straight punches Mm -hmm. I feel like if he establishes his timing I think he's going to get Dillashaw and if he mixes it
0: up too what can TJ do to throw Cody off him Throw mind.
1: kicks, move, and keep distance and mix it up as well. You know, uh, he's got boxing, so throw in some takedowns in there. Even if you don't get them, make them work. Mm-hmm. Uh, stay on the outside and switch stances, utilize your kicks and keep your back off the cage. That's the best advice that if, if I were in TJ Dillashaw's corner, that'd be the best advice that I can give Mike well, Watch you, out for that right hand, watch
0: out for the lead hook. Um and you look at that like the cruise fight, Dominic didn't shoot once and didn't get a successful takedown. No, no, Cody. So if you're able to do that. It'll be definitely interesting to see what uh, what Cody does because he's never been taken down, in at least in the UFC. So it's going to be interesting to see if TJ does shoot what he does with it and how uh, Cody reacts exactly. But well, let's move on now to the main event. Yes. of USC two seventeen middleweight championship is on the belt. Michael Bisping, the champion out of England, who's thirty one and seven in his career, is taking on the returning George Rush Saint Pierre, who in his career is twenty five and two. The former lightweight or sorry, former welterweight champion of the world out of Montreal, Quebec, Canada. Who you got in this fight? You going Bisping or you going G S P who's gonna have the wins record after this one? Because I believe they're tied for most wins in UFC yeah. uh, in, in UFC history. This is a very high stakes fight.
1: This is a very well, interesting obviously fight. It's a high stakes fight. It's an interesting fight. There's a championship belt on the line, Danny. Well when I say high stakes, I mean high stakes in terms of legacies. That's true. So well, if Bisping
0: wins, he's the only person to ever defeat GSP and Anderson Silva, right? And then GSP wins, I think he's the fourth fourth person in UFC history to ever hold uh, belts in two different weight class. McGregor, um, Couture, and then I forgetting the other one. Um, but
1: yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I think he'd be the third. But anyways, both of these guys have been in the UFC. George St. Pierre's uh, UFC debut dates to January thirty first, two thousand and four. That's when he fought Kyle Parisian. And ever since then, GSP was always talked about being the next big thing, the next, the the truly complete mixed martial artist. And it's just interesting because he he comes from karate background, striking background, kickboxing background, and he's such a great wrestler. Um, he's worked with Russian nationalists. His Brazilian jiu jitsu is awesome. He's worked with the Gracies, uh, John Donaher, who's an awesome Brazilian jiu jitsu practitioner. Has worked with uh george st pierre george st pierre's worked with uh you know guys like freddie roach for his boxing guys like phil nurse for his muay thai uh
0: real quick i want to throw in bj penn also. yes bj penn was welterweight and lightweight
1: champion yes he was randy couture light heavyweight and heavyweight champion the list goes on and on it, oh you this- couldn't you
0: couldn't bail me out then when i was trying to name i said connor and randy and then you know i, I forgot bj penn you throw it in there
1: uh, i mean i well come on what kind of partner <laughs> are you I mean, you're the one with a computer. I'm not. <laughs> yeah, but you know the stuff off the top of your head. That's why it's, I had to Google it. It's got a, I knew I was forgetting somebody. There's a dude running up and down the stairs of my brain looking for files of things. So when he finds it, he finds it. And mm. I found it. So there, there it is. <laughs> you found it because I told you. <laughs> but uh, George St. Pierre and Michael Bisping have a long history in the UFC. They themselves don't have a long history. But Michael Bisping comes from The Ultimate Fighter, has coached The Ultimate Fighter twice. Um... It's very interesting. It, it, I mean, has has the most wins in UFC history. Uh, has fought everybody. His only losses are literally to guys that are heavier than him, or that were on TRT, like Vanderlei Silva, Dan Henderson, Vitor Belfort. Well, he lost to Luke Rockhold. Yes, um, and he knocked out Luke Rockhold. So you're he saying defended. Rockhold was bigger? Yes. And the
0: Tim Kennedy bigger? Yes.
1: Okay. Yep. The Rashad Evans. Um, so, I mean, Michael Bisbing's had a lot of ups and downs in his career, and when he actually won the UFC middleweight belt, it was finally like, wow, like, whether you hated him or loved him, it was just like, wow. Mm -hmm. He made it. Well, Michael Bisbing finally made it. Michael, Michael Bisbing finally made it. He finally made it. Now he's the champion. Now what's he going to do with it? Um, so he defended against Dan Henderson. Uh, he was supposed to fight, he was supposed to fight fight the winner of Whitaker and Romero, Whitaker is now the interim champion and could potentially fight the winner of this or fight Rockhold and defend it against
0: Rockhold. I don't want to get into what's happening after because, you know, now Tyron Woodley's saying he's fighting the winner of GSP Bisping. That's not going to happen. GSP's talking about fighting Connor. That's not going to happen. I'm just saying this is what's been thrown out. I mean, no one's actually talking about defending the belt. Everyone's talking about, you know,
1: super fights now. So, well, I mean, that's where the money's at—super fights—and I, would pay money, I great, I pay great money to see super fights. But yeah, wouldn't I mean, you? this this is a super fight. This is a super fight. Probably gonna pay money to and see. And I it. am gonna pay money to see this. See, there you go. <laughs> but at least looking, looking at this GSP
0: with the layoff that he's had. Do you think he has enough to? beat Bisping because obviously the skill is there but Bisping's
1: been super active throughout his whole career yes um this is actually the first time that he's been out for a while other than his eye injury
0: yeah and you look at now Bisping I mean sorry GSP pretty much four years since he's fought yes so I mean does he have enough to come back at extremely high levels of competition against Michael Bisping in the Garden to defeat Michael Bisping after being off for four years.
1: I feel like both of these guys in that sense are on the same playing field because Bisping is coming off of an injury and GSP is coming off of a four-year hiatus. I mean, Dominic Cruz says that ring rust isn't real unless, unless you allow it to be. And I feel GSP has a similar mindset. You, yeah, I feel like uh, GSP isn't going to let that happen. Um, and uh, Michael Bisbing, he's a grit fighter. He's a warrior. He comes forward to fight. Man, who am I going to pick in this fight? If I had to put my money on it, and I'm happy that I'm not, if you got to put money on it, you got to go for GSP. And I'm only saying that because of his uh, well rounded game. I'm only saying that because of his well rounded game. And
0: and yeah, I mean, obviously, his well rounded game. I'm not saying that he doesn't. I mean, GSP, in my mind, is the greatest of all time. I probably said so many times. In my mind, he's one of the greatest
1: of all time, too. It's him. Alongside Anderson Silva and John Jones.
0: I'd probably say it's him and DJ. I'm taking, and DJ. I'm DJ. taking John Jones out of there after his whole PED stuff. Um, but yeah, I'd say Anderson Silva, who also has some PED stuff. Uh, but GSP and then DJ. Um, but I mean, it's been four years since he's fought. It has been a long and four And he's moving years up. And, and the and division
1: I mean, and, and both divisions have skyrocketed in terms of talent since then. Oh, and then.
0: extremely have changed. I mean, yeah. the game's changed. And, yeah. and
1: Michael Bisping's been able to adapt and adapt with it where has GSP he been, has, has Has GSP? Well, you, you don't know because he's been training with Farras Hobby. Yeah, in Montreal try starting a Montreal. Montreal Quebec. I don't know. So we'll see. We'll see what tools that GSP has been storing for the past four years. We're gonna see will we see some new tricks? I don't know. Uh will Michael Bisping knock out GSP? I don't know. Is it gonna be a finish or do you think it's gonna go to the to, to decision? I think
0: it's I What's your good, gut telling you?
1: <sighs> my gut's telling no me my gut's telling me that it's going to be a decision. Okay. Whether it's a war or it's a stalemate. I think it's gonna. I think it's gonna go to a decision. If GSP comes in and knocks out
0: Michael Bisping, he is the greatest of all time. I don't care what it is, he is the greatest of all time. If he just lands one flush on on, on Michael Bisping, yeah, he's the greatest of all time.
1: It's gonna be a very interesting fight. I can't but wait.
0: I think Bisping's gonna win, and he's gonna be intolerable, and we're not gonna see GSP again, and I'm gonna get a <laughs> sour taste in my mouth the fact that GSP came back. Um, I hope GSP wins. Because I love GSP. I mean, he's, he's, he was one of my favorite fighters before he retired. GSP's um, fought I was the reason fifty
1: thousand get... people yeah. in Canada. In I, G... mean, if, I mean, t- maybe twenty five thousand in uh, MSG was nineteen years ago. Yeah,
0: I mean, I was. He was one of the reasons I got into MMA because I remember I got the UFC Two Unlimited or whatever the game was on PS Three and uh, GSP UFC was, Undisputed Two. Yep. Yeah, that was it. And GSP was the guy to play mm-hmm. as in that game. And, and you know, it's crazy thinking so long that he hasn't fighted, fought since like that game came out, but. It's, I, that's the thing is, I wouldn't be yeah. in into MMA without GSP, and I've grown. Then and I,
1: you know, GSP hasn't been around, and I don't know. I just I feel I would be absolutely shocked if GSP wins this fight. If you grew up in the 2000s and watched UFC, you grew up watching GSP. I first watched GSP fight when he uh, when he fought Jay Heron, fought Jay Heron and knocked him out in threw round. I don't know who that is. It was a long time ago. Obviously, a very I don't know who that long is. Time ago. It was probably like six. So. uh yeah, I gotta go for GSP in this fight. Bisping's been around for a very long time, so is GSP. But I think GSP's just—he's—I feel like the martial artist is still there. I feel like he's still gonna Without be there. I—I I, who I want to win, it's GSP. I, I hope GSP wins. If I had
0: to put money on it, I'm taking Michael Bisping. I'm not—I'm not—I'm not you know betting on a guy who hasn't fought in four years. I don't care if he's the greatest of all time, Michael Bisping. You can also put him in you know conversation of greatest of all time, especially if he wins this fight. So it's gonna be interesting to see what happens. Um, I think I think I'll, I'll save Michael Bisping on the podcast, but if, I'm I'm hoping I'm I'm crossing my fingers as I say it. I hope GSP <laughs> wins this fight. Anyways, let's uh go recap uh, UFC Fight Night Brunson vs yes. Machida out in yes. Sao Paulo, Brazil. Because uh, that was actually a great night of fights. Couple couple things I want I want I'll throw out a couple fights. Um, I want to oh, get your man. thoughts on them. Uh, first off, Tiago Santos beating Jack Hermanson.
1: My God, Tiago Santos is scary. Yes, he is insane. Yes, that was impressive. He's motivated from that. Uh Guerre and Musasi loss. That was a monstrous Tiago Santos. He destroyed Hermanson. That and Hermanson's no joke either. And he he ran through him. He was motivated and he ran through him. It's absolutely insane. Up. Uh- Pedro Munoz versus defeated Rob
0: Font during due to a guillotine. I mean, you pretty much called it when you when you saw this guy's highlights.
1: Rob Font actually was doing very well on the feet until Pedro Munoz decided to take it to the ground. Mm-hmm. It was crazy. What <laughs> and then that guillotine did. was just locked on. <laughs> um, and then we'll go to uh, the co-main event: Kobe Covington versus Damian Meyer. What are your thoughts on that? Did you expect that? I feel like Damien Maya actually should have stuck to his ground game, but that being said, Colby Covington did a good job. He did get tagged a lot, and he got bloodied up by Damien Maya quite a bit, and which was he, shocking to me. Maya put up a good fight. You know what? You saw Maya. You see Maya against guys like Dan Miller, and you see his striking is there, but I mean, it, he's he's got to just stick to his roots, make up the, mix up the striking with the takedowns just a little bit more. But I, I, I mean, hats off to Colby Covington.
0: I was absolutely shocked that Damian Maya got 30-26 in, in Brazil. Yeah, I was absolutely shocked by yeah, that.
1: Yeah, I thought it was going to be 29-28 or something yeah. like that. Whoa, Tw- now! 29-27, 30-27, and
0: 30-26. I never thought that might have fighting in Brazil. These were actually 30, some very, Yeah,
1: these were, these guys were actually some very educated judges.
0: Yeah, they were good. Um, Vicente
1: Luque and Nico Price. I said Nico Price was going to win, but Vicente Luque, I mean, he just stayed on the outside and utilized his superior grappling.
0: I wonder what smart, beautiful uh, MMA analyst called that Vicente <laughs> Luque was going to win. <laughs> So weird. Um, and then finally, Derek Bronson defeated Leo Machida. It was sad.
1: Yeah, that was hard of, to watch. I felt that was hard really to bad. Watch. That was hard to watch. I called that one. Um, I, you know what? Here's the thing about Leo Machida. When Leo Machida came onto the scene, it was he was a, he was the Karate Kid before Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Mm-hmm. Karate black belt fought in organizations like you know K1 and Jungle Fight. Fought guys like Stephen Bonner and BJ Penn and Rich Franklin. Um, Came in with a reputation, a little bit of a reputation, and, you know, was the undefeated karate boy at light heavyweight, and then the dragon, and then knocks out Shot Evans, wins the light heavyweight championship, and then Joe Rogan says, welcome to the Machida era. And ever since then, it was, it, the the Machida era never came. Well, it came and went. And one thing, though, I mean, it wasn't
0: like it was a terrible fight. It wasn't like Machida looked terrible,
1: but Brunson just
0: caught him. Brunson's, Brunson threw a beautiful shot. Brunson's
1: got some heavy hands. Brunson's got heavy hands, he's younger, he's motivated, and you know Machida's used to Machida's used to fighting orthodox fighters, not fellow southpaws, mm-hmm. so turning on that angle is something that he would do against an orthodox fighter of throwing an overhand right, but fighting a guy like Brunson, he was just squared up for that left hand to land, and then after that, it was just lights out.
0: Do you think Machida should be done? Yes. Really? Yes. And he should retire?
1: Even though he got caught? Yes. It wasn't even like you looked bad all of his last losses all of them are finishes it's true devastating finishes concussive finishes
0: i mean he's gonna be out till 2018 but again you usually get a four four month medical, medical suspension six month medical suspension anyways, depending on how knockout.
1: bad it is you usually like 90 days to three to yeah but yeah. 90 days is three months
0: anyways it's it's gonna be it's gonna be i don't know what I'm saying. To see. <laughs> I, I think he's gonna come back and i, I don't think i don't think you should be too discouraged but i don't think we're gonna see him a ever Come back and, uh, and and fight for a title. Whether I think, it's any I think the
1: dragon's been slain.
0: Usually, but guys like this, especially Machida, they have too much pride to retire after something like that. It's hard to watch. You look at Shogun. You look at uh, Vitor. You look at any of these guys. They they have too much pride to retire. But anyways. That is going to wrap it up here on the MMA Minutes. Yes. Danny, thanks for previewing UFC 217 with us. Also, thanks for recapping Machida versus Brunson in Sao Paulo, Brazil.
1: Tune in. It's going to be great. UFC 217 is going to be fireworks.
0: And also, thank you very much for listening to the MMA Minutes. We are here pretty much every single week talking about UFC, Bellator, and any MMA news that there is out there. Um, Also, some big news uh, just in the field of me. Uh, Habib Nurmagomedov taking on uh, Edson, Edson Barbosa, Barbosa. Yes. in December, which is going to be awesome. Yes, It's either going to be Habib showing that he's one of the best lightweights in the world, or it's Ed, Edson Barbosa kicking around Habib Nurmagomedov, which he probably deserves right now. <laughs> the way that he's been treating me. But anyways, thank you so much for listening to the MMA Minutes. Uh, for Danny Gutierrez, I'm Sean Anderson. We'll see you next time.